welcome to the fourth official soccer podcast. My name is Boreal Udemi, and I'm joined by my co-host, Suleiman Lassisi. Suleiman, we're recording on Labor Day, so this means that we're not at work. We're, you know, at home and uh, calling on Skype. How are you feeling today? Hey, it's a great day, man. You know, Labor Day, one of the privileges of the American experience. So I'm glad we can set this up and do this even when we're not together in the studio. I'm doing very well. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. Um, I'm glad we have this Monday off only because there were so many games this past weekend and I basically feel like I'm just starting to do stuff because I mostly was watching you know, games and traveling this past weekend. So it's good to reminisce on the past weekend and talk about um, um, what happened uh, in all, our, all the leagues. Exactly, man. And I'm going to kick you off. I'm going to talk about what I saw this weekend that really just amazed me that got me excited it got me off the edge of my seat and i was just like did he do that and that was jamie Vardy's goal against afc bournemouth and he had a brace in that in that game but his first goal was just a marvelous lob to the top corner of the goal and it was so nice i was thinking if i could be reincarnated as a ball i would want jamie vardy to kick me into the goal like he did against <laughs> bournemouth this weekend so i wanted to ask you bori like we've seen goals over the years amazing ones and which one stands out to you like just a goal that you're just like wow oh yeah i mean if you're talking about it ever i want to refer to the kaka's goal against manchester united with the head where Basically, Evra and Heinz cra- uh, clashed against each other. Um, yeah. I think, for me, that goal not only is brilliant, it's just, you can tell that Kaká has the football brain. Like, it's just natural. And for him to be able to think that Evra was going to hit Heinz and him just pushing the ball ahead of both of them was just phenomenal. If 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 you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, listeners at home, just just go on YouTube and type in Kaká versus Man- Manchester United. Um, I can't remember what year it is, but I'm sure you'll be able to find it. It's a wonder goal, and that goal will ever, forever be in my brain. Yeah, it was in 2007, and it was the home leg of the, I want to say, quarterfinal or semifinal tie. I remember that goal. It was it was a beautiful one, too. Jamie Vardy's one just, it's one of those things that I... I would want to do, but I never quite get right. So like just seeing him doing it at that stage and it was just perfectly executed. And I was just like, this is measured, like it's well weighted. And he just like sailed to his destination with no hiccups. So that was, that, that was what stood out to me this weekend. What else you got for us from just the excitement of the past week? Oh, I mean, we, you know, the agenda for this week is we're, we're definitely going to be talking about the UCL draw because that happened on Thursday. Oh, yeah. And, um, we have our reactions for all, you know, on all the top leagues from from Europe uh, last weekend. Um, so and of, obviously, you know, they're sad, sad, sad news and they're they're good news. But uh, it should be a great episode. Nice. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to kick it off. Yeah. Uh, speaking about the UCL draw, it, you know. For me, very boring uh, draw, uh, just because I don't see too many exciting uh, clashes. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll be wrong. But um, I want to just ask you, just given the group, the eight groups that we have, um, which group stands out to you as the group of death? 
quick thing before I go into the group that stands out to me, I just want to mention the fact that Virgil van Dijk won the UEFA Champions League best player of the last season Champions League. I think that's something worth mentioning for him being a defender. And now going back to your question, my the, the group of death for me will be Group F because it has, you know, Barcelona, Dortmund and Inter Milan. Of course, there's Slavia Praha, who will seem like a pushover in that group. But I think between those three top clubs going neck and neck, it, I would not be surprised if one or a couple of them actually drop points to Slavia Praha just because of the intensity you're going to find in the competition in that group. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, I, I would say the same. Uh, that That is my group of death. However, though, there's a very close second for me, Group H, with Ajax, Chelsea, Lille, and Valencia. Um, the only reason why I'm saying this is because I really can't tell who's going to come out of that group. Um, I mean, we can kind of sort of tell in the Group F that definitely one will not make it, uh, and that's Slavia Praha. No offense to their fans, um, but you, you can definitely tell that that's not going to happen unless you know Dortmund and Inter Milan decides Inter Milan decides to to sleep. But I think I want to also. You know, call your attention to Group H just because um, it feels like a bunch of quote-unquote uh, uh, good teams that we just never know what's going to happen. So that that should also be a very close second uh, group of death uh, for me. I actually agree. Looking at that group, it's what I would call an equal opportunity group. Anybody can get it on ev- any given night. So it's going to be interesting to watch how these this teams morph over the course of a Champions League campaign. A lot of weird things happened also uh, in this draw, just because we saw, or we, we saw in the draw, uh, or, or we can see in the draw that there are very familiar matchups. Like for example, Man City will have to play Shakhtar Donetsk again. Um, Atletico Madrid will have to play Juventus again. Uh, Napoli will have to play Liverpool, um, and also I think there was one more, but maybe I'm I'm. I'm not remembering right, but it's just funny that these matchups are happening again, even though they happened, uh, I think, last season or, or two, two, and also two seasons ago, um, especially the Napoli and, and, and Liverpool one. That, that's a very funny one to happen over and over again. Yeah, I agree. I am not very surprised because when you look at these things, they have these pots for the seeds, and it just so happens that given the way some teams finish, they're more or less fixed to go in certain groups. So when you eliminate one string of randomness from how where can Man City go, Man City will finish. They finish top. They're gonna be at a certain in a certain like pot. Then it kind of like limits how much other like permutations you can get of teams that can come sure. to play against them. But I mean, it's surprising. Liverpool, Napoli. I mean, we're yeah. about to see that again. All right. So, are you ready for our predictions? Yeah, you go first, man. You know, you're the, will, you're the oracle. So I, always have, I always have my predictions ready just because I already know from what, I, what I'm seeing here. Um, this is a little tricky for me only because um, I, I think a few episodes ago, I kind of mentioned that Barcelona will finish, uh, you know, in the semifinals. Like, they, they will just get out in semifinals as usual. Um, however, though, I'm predicting, and, and I'm going to do a sort of... Uh, weird prediction here, but I'm predicting, um, and this, if only, only if this doesn't happen, uh, before the finals, but I'm predicting an, uh, uh, all Spanish final, 
Um, I'm predicting Barcelona plays Atletico Madrid. And to be honest, if that's the case, I think Barcelona may actually win it just because I think Messi will go crazy in that game. Because, you know, that's that's the, the trophy that they will want to win. And why am I giving this to Barcelona suddenly? Why, you know, I gave Barcelona, you know, a third, you know, a, you know third or fourth place finish a few episodes ago. But just after watching them, after seeing the effect that Griezmann has on the team. And let's remember, I, you know, Messi, is, Messi isn't there. And I know Barcelona drew last weekend and it seems like they're not going to do well. But I think actually that in... You know, after after seeing the first what three games or two games, I I think Barcelona will actually win this whole thing, um, and only only because you know I think they're good enough now, um, and uh, with the addition of Messi, uh, when he comes back from injury, they will even be better. Um, but I also don't want to give it past Atletico Madrid just because I think Atletico Madrid is a team, and we've seen this past, this past three games that you know. They not only have a good defense, they now also have a very good attack. Um, and this is something that, that they've been missing, especially against uh, you know, teams like uh, Juventus last season, um, when they could not be, you know, they just couldn't get past them. Um, I, I think this time around, it's, diff- it's a different story. And Atletico Madrid actually may and will, I think, get into the finals. But I, I, still, I, give, I will give the edge over to Barcelona. What do you think? Well, I was just going to say, I, I I can't see as far as who makes it out far, especially because the qualification paths are going to be decided in some way by where these teams finish. So just imagine a scenario where Atletico Madrid finishes second in the group and now they have to play Barcelona before they get to the finals. So sure. I can't really see far into the finals, but just talking about which team do I think is ready to go the the entire length. I actually will go with Manchester City, and this is me being a fan of Pep and his game is set up. I think they will push very hard for the Continental Trophy this season. They will push hard, but they will not get it. And and my reason to that is, yes, City is a very great team. They can score goals, but the problem with City, and we often overlook this just because they get to hold the ball a lot. Right, especially against smaller teams. Um, the the problem with City is the defense. Right now we have, uh, I think Laporte is injured, and they're going to concede a lot of goals. And against a top team like Juventus, Atletico Madrid, Liverpool, you know, Napoli, Barcelona, Inter Milan, they're not going to be able to hold the ball as much as they do with EPL teams. So this, for me, is a very bad indication um, because. They don't have that defense to kind of hold all these big teams. And yes, they will score. They will score probably a lot of goals. But then it will not be enough because their defense will also concede a lot of goals. That's my thoughts about City. And that's why I don't think they will get as far as as the final. I actually want to come back to this in seven, eight months because I, I think completely different, especially about the defense. But, you know, the numbers would do a better justice to what our thoughts are and how things pan out. Sure. Are you ready for the rest of the European leagues? Sure, man. Let's get to it. Yeah, let's get to EPL. Um, funny, f- funny scenes this past weekend with Mane getting mad at Salah. Um, 
And uh, in case everyone missed that, again, you can just YouTube, the, YouTube this, uh, just Google like Mane um, angry or something. Um, but basically, uh, Mane was angry at Salah for not passing the ball. And I kind of wanted to talk about this just because I have actually noticed this a few times. Um, but I thought maybe the team was fine with it and I thought Mane was fine with it. But I noticed Salah, you know, runs in from the right side, goes in, drives in. And sometimes you have, you know, defenders, three, four defenders around him, and he still shoots to, you know, try to score. And he scored a few of those. Um, but what do you think? Do you think Salah is a very selfish player? Just because, I, I mean, for me, it was a very, Mane, I think Mane was right. Like, Mane was basically open, and he could have just tapped the ball towards him, and Mane would have had an empty, empty goal and scored. But it seemed like Salah wants to go for the glory. Yeah, Mane's reaction yesterday was interesting to say the least because I have seen those decisions by Salah a number of times. And I wonder what tipped the points yesterday. What was actually the trigger that made him go off like that? I think what happened was him being substituted after that just happening. It just felt like maybe he didn't have the coach's support or like, why, why am I being substituted when... I'm doing everything you tell me to do. And there's a guy on the field who's not doing what we should be doing for the team. So that was what triggered his reaction. Now to go back to Salah's decision. Salah is selfish. Very selfish? No. But Salah is selfish. I would also like to say that Mane is equally as selfish. I've seen this happen with Salah not passing the ball to Mane when he should. I've seen this happen with Mane not passing the ball to Salah when he should. Salah not passing the ball to Firmino when he should. Mane not passing the ball to Firmino when he should. If there's anyone who should be getting a reaction of those front three, it should be Firmino because he more than often passes the yeah. ball to either of these players. So Mane reacting, it's it's in the heat of the moment. It's in the heat of the game. He wants to play, he wants to score. He was in a better position. Salah should have passed. And I've always said that the what who does Salah think he is? Messi? Like, can he just, like, score through, like, a body of three, yeah. four players? So I always say that, but I don't think it's anything personal. And I think it's obvious in the games of both of these guys that they do this a lot. And I'm not going to fault Salah singly for doing that. Yesterday, I would say in general, Mane and Salah should be better passers of the ball because I've seen them both do this repeatedly. So I think this is just one where Mane got ticked off. Yeah, I mean, it, it it was very sad to see, but, uh, you know, I was just laughing because I, I don't blame him because especially that play, especially that one that uh, Salah could have passed to him, uh, that could have been a goal. But, hey, worked out well for me because my fantasy points, if Salah had gotten that assist, I could have lost. So <laughs> I'm all happy. Yeah, man. I, I know the feeling. Yeah, let's move on to the North London Derby. Um, very weird uh, Arsenal I thought Arsenal started very well this season, but then they started to drop, and you can see that there is, like, I can't tell if it's Unai Emery's tactics. I mean, people, a lot of people are blaming his tactics and, and decisions. Um, for example, like, bringing on Mkhitaryan late yesterday. Um, it's just very weird that, that Arsenal, with their front line, isn't able to score more goals than no, than they should. You know, you have Pepe, you have Lacazette, you have Aubameyang, you have Ceballos playing behind them. 
uh, on paper, this this they look so good. You know what is what is the problem with Arsenal? Oh, the problem with Arsenal. I actually think the problem with Arsenal is Tottenham Hotspurs. So in the last, I want to say three years, Tottenham Hotspurs have finished above Arsenal in the Premier League. In the 21 years before that, Arsenal have finished above Tottenham Hotspurs in the Premier League. So for me, it's the fact that the ascendancy has been established. Tottenham Hotspurs are the better North London team. And the Gunners have to deal with that. So all the players that they have on paper, there is still this sense of inferiority. These guys are better than us. So it's not just the fact that, oh, we have Aubameyang, we have Pepe, we have Lacazette. It's just we're playing against a better team. And that gets to you, especially in a North London derby. So just just seeing how the that for me, that's why it was kind of like hard for them to get into the groove of the game in the first half. And then I actually want to commend them that in the second half, they were the better side. So maybe maybe it just took them some time to realize that we can actually hang with these guys and we can give them a run for their money in our stadium. Yeah, I I think Tottenham right now is a very... Uh, they're not a very good side right now. Uh, I think Arsenal should have capitalized on that. And I mean, remember... Definitely. Arsenal was down 2-0. Um, I, we, you know, they're... Defense is definitely questionable. Um, Tierney is still injured. Uh, David Lewis is David Lewis. Um, he decides to defend whenever, or he decides to be good at defense whenever he wants to. Um, so it, it's just, I don't know. I, I, you know, after seeing the first two games, I thought, you know what, Arsenal is probably going to definitely finish top four. Um, but now it, it's looking weird. It's looking weird for them. But we'll see what happens. Uh, let's move on to Chelsea. Chelsea has been struggling Um you know, this season, and we understand why, you know, they've not had good transfer, uh, you know, they've had their transfer ban, so they've not been able to transfer any player or bring in any player. Um, but what what do you think is going on with Chelsea right now? I mean, they, they tied with uh, Sheffield United. Um, Tammy Abrams got two goals. Um, but what is, what is wrong with Chelsea? I mean, they look like a, a side that basically plays like the first few minutes or the first half very well, and then they just drop the second half. Do you think it's the the young players? I well, I don't. I wouldn't really say it's the young players, but I want to say it's really just playing defense. You know, defense one on one and just getting the simple things right. They were up two zero at the bridge, and they, they they let Sheffield United come back and tie the game. So for me, it's just a matter of you got to play good defense. Look at look at the schedule this season. They've played Manchester United. They've played Leicester City. They've played Norwich. And they play Sheffield United, and they don't have a single clean sheet, you know? So, for me, it's just playing defense. I mean, the coach has to get whatever he has to work. I know Antonio Rudiger is just coming back from his injury, and you have Kurt Zumer, Fikayo Tomori, you have Christian Sainz. So, it's like a lot of flux in the defense, but the coach needs to get that unit working as soon as possible. Yeah, very weird. We'll see what happens. We'll keep track of Chelsea, of course. As usual, City owns the EPL, uh, in my opinion. They won 4-0 against Brighton. Um, uh, Aguero is back, I think, and KDB is killing. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne is just killing. Kevin De Bruyne is back. Um, I think that's one player that can make a difference for City in the in the Champions League um, again. But I still stand, I still take my stand that their defense is going to be the detriment for the Champions for them to win the Champions League. But um, it seems like City 
I mean, yes, they're, they, I think they tied one game, and that's why they're behind Liverpool. But I think I, it feels like they're going to keep winning from here on out. Yeah, so I just want to say Liverpool and City have clicked into top gear. You know, you start the season, you win 4-1 and 5-0, you tie here, you play 1-0 there. But after this weekend and going into the international break, I just get a feeling that these guys are off to the races. You know, like they're like it's catch up time now. If you want to hang with them, you can be as close as you can. And right now, who is hanging with them? It is Leicester, it's Leicester City, right? So, and you just know that are they going to be able to keep up like through this marathon of the league? So I just think this, these two teams are ready to go. Yeah, cool. Um, I think that's pretty much what we have for EPL. Um, hilarious, you know, is, is definitely um, showing why they spent that money on him uh, for you know West Ham. Um, so he scored again this past weekend. So just want to give a shout out to Hilaire. Uh, do you have anything else for us about the EPL? Well, not much, really. I just want to say, you know, James, Daniel James of Manchester United, despite Manchester United's struggles, their malaise, I mean, you can blame that on. I personally think this is a coaching struggle for Manchester United. Is they, they can't seem to get the team to win. And I, I'm tired of the excuses. They don't have the right players. I, I remember when we were doing our predictions, I probably put them in fourth place or something because I feel like they have a good enough unit to go out and get results. So... They're struggling. I think the coach needs to fix something there. But I want to say Daniel James has been a very good piece of business for Manchester United. I was like, who's this guy? But he has proven to me that he's quite the deal. So just want to shout out Daniel James from what I saw of him this weekend. Well, it sounds like they need Mourinho back. What? (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to the Bundesliga. Um, You know, very high scoring weekend. Uh... Bayern Munich was able to put six past Mainz. Uh, we had Perisic score. Coutinho, you know, Coutinho played for Bayern Munich last weekend. Um, w- w- is there any reaction to that game? Le- you know, Lewandowski keeps scoring. You know, that's yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's th- th- there's not much of a reaction. I just I like when a team has a high scoring game and there is like not one player scoring more than one goal. It just shows you that that's a team effort. Like, Bayern Munich had six goals, and it's six different players scoring the six goals. So for me, that's just, it's a good feeling. You know, everyone's jolly, and everyone's happy after the game, you know, because almost more than half of the team got goals. You know what I'm saying? So that's a very, very good feeling. Yeah, and surprise of the weekend, Dortmund lost to uh, uh, Union Berlin. Very, very strange uh, a game. Um, but Akasar scored for Dortmund. But, you know, how I thought Dortmund had this. I was actually thinking maybe they're going to win this whole Bundesliga um, league. But with that, with what they did this past weekend, I'm retracting my, my statement. Yeah, so that game, I mean, it was, I would call it an uncharacteristic slump. From Dortmund, I mean, they were playing away at Union Berlin, but it just wasn't a game like there were no Dortmund flashes, not quite the connection. I would say, though, that Jadon Sancho still assisted Akasar on that goal. I think yeah. that's his third assist for Akasar this season. But Dortmund as a team weren't clicking. So it was, I mean, hopefully you get one or two of those games in a 34-game season and no more than that. So it was a bad game. Hopefully they put it behind them and they can come back after the break and be ready to play. And Timo Werner, obviously, again, can't stop scoring. 
um, scored a hat trick this past weekend, gave that win for Leipzig. Um, Leipzig are really looking good, especially think about think about Leipzig. They're also in the UCL, um, and you know Timo Werner is really looking good. Yeah, yeah, and this is actually his first Bundesliga hat trick. So I mean, I was like, what? Because you know he's a scorer, so I was like, he should have gotten a few. But this is his first hat trick in the Bundesliga, and I I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the club Leipzig. I actually think they're gonna do well in the Champions League as well. So. Great things can come up from from just the way they've started the season. Sure. Let's move on to La Liga. Um, the Liga was filled with uh, people eating their own words uh, this past weekend. Uh, Bale turned it up for Madrid, essentially um, giving them a point. Um, and you you know you can remember what happened this past summer with Zidane, you know, saying things about. You know, uh, about Bale leaving and how he doesn't want him part of his team for this season, but it turns out that Bale is needed. Um, Madrid as, as a whole has been playing very sloppy and they, they don't look like the same Madrid that we know from, you know, three years ago. Um, but, you know, do you think it's a funny... Do you think it's funny that, that Zidane is basically having to eat his own words right now? Funny that he has to hit his own words. I I don't know if I'll go as far as that, but I think it is fitting that Garrett Bale is showing this team that on my best day, you guys need me. And that's that's what is happening. So for me, I kind of didn't feel like Zidane came out and said he didn't want Bale. I didn't like his body language. I didn't like the way he portrayed the whole situation to the media. But I kind of felt like there was still something there that... that, that prompted a possibility of Bale still playing for the club, and that's what happened. So I'm happy for Garrett Bale. And like you said, the team itself, like there are elements within the team. Sergio Ramos, I, he gave away a goal this weekend, and yeah. I'm one of those people who would put him over a host of defenders just from the things he has done for this club. But it was so uncharacteristically sloppy of him to give away the goal the way he did this weekend. And I I just hope that, you know, when, when someone like Bill rises from hashes of the past and produces a performance like he did at Villarreal this weekend, I hope the, the rest of the team can rise with him and make his effort count for more than a single point. Yeah, no, I mean, very surprising for Ramos to give the ball away. Um, but I would want to, I, I just I want to point out that also Bale had a red card in that game. Uh, very stupid back-to-back yellows. I think it was probably like even less than a minute apart or so. Um, it was very weird. But let's move on to Barcelona. Um, Barcelona played Osasuna away uh, and they tied. Um, they you know they they fell a goal in the beginning and then they came, you know they scored and then went up two-one and then Osasuna scored later in the game but I do want to point out the the player to watch and Sufati that I mentioned last uh, episode um, was the one that started the comeback for Barcelona um, and he I mean again looks very promising a La Masia product um, seems like he knows where to be at the right time and seems like he can handle the ball um, but still you know the problem with Barcelona as we've seen in the past few seasons, is they're missing their main man, they're missing Messi, and, and it shows because Osasuna is a team that they should be beating any day, any time, doesn't matter if 
they don't even if Barcelona doesn't even have a single fan in the stadium, it does not matter. They should still be beating this team. But somehow Osasuna was able to get a point from that game. Um, so big ups to Asafati. Hope hope Messi could come back. Um, I know a lot of people are probably going to say after this first three games from from Barcelona, uh, it doesn't look like they're going to have a good Champions League. But let's not forget, once the magic man is back, you know things change. Um, and let's not also forget that Suarez is also out injured. Yeah, and so is Zuman Dembele. I actually want to say Ansuman Fadi put on a good show this weekend, and I was excited. There's nothing better than, you know, when you have high hopes for a player and they just come on and just, like, lights out to get a goal on their second half debut, by the way. So I'm, I'm very, very happy for him. I actually also want to call out Jared Piquet, like I called out Sergio Ramos sure, yeah. in the fact that he considered a late penalty kick penalty, that, yep. that that gave us a scenario point. And for me, that was a rookie mistake at that level of professionalism and experience. He shouldn't be giving that penalty kick away so cheaply like he did. Let's move on to Atletico. Atletico came from 2-0 down to to beat Eba 3-2. Um, again, Atletico very, playing very well. Yes, they're leaking some goals. They're conceding some goals. But their strike force, which is which has been the problem in terms of you know this past few seasons, um, is not better. Especially with the with Joel Felix and Thomas Pate had a very wonderful goal as usual. He's always having incredible goals from outside the box. Um, but Atletico Madrid looks very good. Yeah, in that game, I mean, in general, this season, I mean, they have maximum points, so they look good. In that game, I felt like it was weird for Atleti at home at the Wanda Metropolitano to go two goals down to Ibar. But, of course, I mean, at the end of the day, they came back from two goals down to win it. Felix, Joe Felix, played a really good game. I thought Diego Costa could have had a couple. He struggled a little bit, but it's nice to see the chemistry between Diego Costa and Joao Felix. And, you know, Alvaro Morata still missing goals. So that kind of <laughs> that kind of played a Same. role as well. But yep. it was nice. It was nice to see that they are fighting yep. for wins from a losing position. Of course, of course. And as usual, I have to go back to all the predictions and all the things I said. Last, uh, last week, we saw that Granada lost to Sevilla 1-0. But this week, away uh, at Espanyol, which is also in Cat- uh, Catalonia, I believe, um, Granada was able to beat Espanyol 3-0. Um, and this just goes to show that Granada is not playing around this season. I definitely don't think they will be relegated this season. Um, and it will be very interesting to see if they actually can get in the top 10. But uh, big ups to them for actually being able to beat Espanyol 3-0. Trust me, man. I was actually, you know, I keep an eye out for Granada after you hyped them up <laughs> at the beginning of the season and seeing that they got like maximum points this weekend. I was like, hey, they're actually legit. So big up to them. Yes, let's move on to the series. Uh, before we start this, um, we've talked about this a few times. We have we had an, a racist incident last season in uh, last last uh, basically yesterday uh, uh, in the Inter Milan and Cagliari game. Um, Cagliari are known for racist chants, as usual. Um, they've done this against... They did this against Lukaku yesterday. They did this against Kian and Matuidi last year. Um, Suleiman Tari, if you remember him, played for AC Milan they did the year before. They've done this against Balotelli, Eto. You know, 
sometimes I'm just confused how the Italian Football Association think this is good media for them. I mean, we're we're in the age of you know, videos and, and, and social media, we can hear the sounds, we can hear everything. And it's just so weird to me that the Italian FA has decided to to not take any action against them. And I mean, sure, things are still unraveling. Uh, we've not heard, I mean, they probably still have to talk about it. But this is very, it's a common thing. It's a reoccurring thing on, you know, with this one team, Cagliari. And it's just so weird that like, they've not, done anything drastic other than like ban their their fans or or close close you know close the door to their fans which is really weird i think we need to take as the italian fair they need to take actions like deducting points because if you really think about it if they deduct points they will never utter a racist chant ever again but it seems like the italian fair are very relaxed on this on paper it looks like they should have a very tough um, you know, tough penalty for things like this. But when it comes to the implementation of these rules, they don't seem, they seem to be very soft. Um, and this is really something I really, it, it, to be honest, this was the very, this was the first time I've heard the racist chants myself. You know, I've heard people say, yes, there were racist chants, but this was actually the first time I heard. It seemed like there was a camera really close to the, to the, uh, to the fans. And I could hear the monkey chant, and it sent chills down my bone. And as as you know, as a person of color, um, I can't imagine, you know, being in that position, having to listen to people, you know, make mon- monkey chants against me. Um, of course, Lukaku scored the goal. It was a penalty. You know, I'm, there's, you know, we can debate whether that was a penalty or not. Um, but that's one thing. That's something you do to the ref. You 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 state your complaint to the ref and not the player playing the penalty. And it's just really sad to see. And as a fan of Serie A, it's something I'm not proud to say. You know, I I, I try to encourage people to watch the Serie A, but when you have things like this, it's very hard to kind of convince people to watch the Serie A. I agree absolutely with your thoughts on this very sad issue and. It is 2019. I cannot stress that enough. And the fact that this keeps happening, I'm sure for Lukaku would be kind of like a reality check. You're in Serie A now, and this is what the fans do here. So it's really sad. I I struggled with it, like realizing that, oh, just another person who has to deal with this. And for me, I, I hope for the sake of, you know, the humanity in the in the executives of Serie A, th- that they can implement something and force something that is effective, other than just we l- releasing some statements saying yeah. we are we we don't support this. I mean, it's okay you don't support it, but you have to take action. implement actions to get rid of yes. this. Yes, I completely agree. And I mean, part of it is is the Cagliari people. Um, I actually don't know what happened before the game start because I know sometimes when you actually go to the game to the stadiums, they have like something playing on TV saying say no to racism. But I don't know if Kyler is doing that. But I give them, I give Kyler's admins part of the blame. I also give the Italian FA most of the blame because if you really think about it, if they're finding Kyler very hefty fines, like something like tens of millions of dollars, which is something that Kyler can't really afford, and and if they're deducting points they definitely will take action. So I, I blame it on the Italian FA. And we, you know, I, 
I, w- I want to say I hope I will never see it, but to be, let's be honest, we're probably going to see it the next uh, game fixture. So it's really sad, but hopefully the 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 Italian FA can can come. And maybe this is something FIFA needs to take up or, or UEFA needs to take up because if the Italian FA is not doing anything, then maybe FIFA needs to to definitely you know start finding it's Italy. You know, I mean, I've heard people say like you know if UEFA can ban Italy from the Champions League, then you will definitely see all these clubs you know basically doing all these campaigns about saying no to racism and, and calling those people out. So we we you know I hope to see. I hope to see less of this, but, you know, to be honest, I'm not keeping my hopes up. But that said, I didn't, you know, I can't believe what I did last, last, you know, yesterday, basically, I supported Inter Milan because when I saw that, I was like, okay, I definitely want Inter Milan to win. Um, So, unfortunately, uh, they won, but uh, I think they should have won. It's good for them to just kind of shut the racist people up. But let's move on to RJ Milan. Milan was able to finally beat a team in Syria. Um, they beat Brescia 1-0, not convinced by by Milan. Um, it seemed like the the coach, Giampaolo, made a lot of changes, uh, did not play Paqueta and Piontek, um, started with, uh, uh, with Andres Silva, which is kind of weird, but it's whatever. But we, we eventually won. I don't have any hopes for this team. I put them at, at uh, fourth place. Uh, you know, in our prediction episode, but from what I'm seeing, if we continue this way, I think we're just going to be a top 10 team. I, I don't see how we're going to finish top four. I think we're going to get bamboozled by by Napoli, Juve, Inter Milan. I think we're going to get beat up by ten, by them for sure. Even Torino will beat us. Um, so it's really sad to see Mil- Milan go down this way. But I think the problem again for me still the coach. The coach needs to leave. I think. I mean, I know we've said this, you know, we just we just fired our coach last season, but come on. This guy, in my opinion, does not know what he's doing. Changing formations, changing players, um, seems like he's using this first few games as a preseason. Uh, it's it's really weird. Marino um, is free. I, I'll just tell let Milan fans know that Marino is free. He's a free agent. He's looking for a club to coach. Um, I would love to have him. What do you think? Well, another uninspiring affair in Milan this weekend by AC Milan. And, you know, I don't really expect much from this team. But I would say, though, is the day AC Milan appoints Jose Mourinho as the coach, man, I don't know. I'm not a fan of his style of soccer, so I don't really... I'm not excited or clamoring for him to come if what that's if, what it takes to fix the team. Because Mourinho is a quick fix kind of guy. So, sure. and, and then you're getting a maximum of three seasons out of him and you go back to your unstable stomping grounds. So I am not excited for the way we're playing, but I don't t- think someone like Jose Mourinho is our long-term solution. Oh, I think he's our, our, our solution right now because... Think about it. We definitely just need to get back in the Champions League because if we get back to the Champions League, then we can start attracting. We can start buying more players. We can start attracting top players because that's been our problem. You know, kind of like a chicken and egg. Um, we can't attract top talent if we're not playing in Champions League. So it's yeah. kind of sad. Um, but I, I think we definitely need a, a top top coach to come rescue us. Uh, but let's move on to the Roma Derby. Uh, nothing much. Just, nothing much to say here except. Roma looks abysmal. Um, I think Lazio also looked abysmal, but I thought Roma would have won this game, but it ended up with a tie. Um, and very funny that Mkhitaryan has not been loaned to Roma. I don't know what the the thinking is there. I don't know what 
Mkhitaryan is supposed to do, but uh, maybe he'll he will show us what he's capable of. Maybe he will he will get back to his uh, his normal self. But it seems like Roma is going to be definitely out of the top for this season, and uh, if not careful, uh, uh, you know, below top ten. But they are looking very bad. Yeah, so I would say, yeah, Lazio actually had the better stretches of the game against Roma. I mean, it's the Rome derby, the eternal city. People are playing for pride. So you get that competition, that intensity. And Lazio rose to the occasion. They should have done better than Roma. They wasted and squandered a lot of chances that got them ending up with a tie in the game. Roma, I would think, needs the Mkhitaryan to create some spark, some creativity in the final third. So hopefully he helps them. But like you said, I don't see them cutting the top four. Yeah, and the biggest game of the weekend was Juve-Napoli. Uh, very good game. I actually watched the game. Um, it was a very good game. Juve scored three you know, three goals first, 3-0. Napoli basically did a comeback. And then at the final last minute, um, there was a, a free kick that Koulibaly ended up putting in his own net. So it ended up uh, 4-3 for Juve. Um, but I would like to just point out one thing in this game. Um, Delete looked very off the pace. He looked like just a regular player. In fact, he looked even worse than Musacchio, which is a, a who is a defender from Milan. Um, especially with two of the goals, I think he was the cause for two of Napoli's goals, uh, especially uh, Chuck Lozano's goal, um, because he was supposed to track him, but ended up just started, you know, just jogging backwards and uh, uh, completely missed him. Um, but, you know, very good game. Delete, again, looked off the pace. Uh, and I wonder if this is going to be a, you know, I mean, I, I can understand he was nervous. You know, it was a, it was a very big game. It was his, his, his first start for the for the, for the Juve in the Serie A. So I, I guess I understand, but I guess I was just surprised because I thought Delete was a kind of person that does not feel the pressure, you know, given what he did for Ajax last season. Um, you know, being the captain and and all, but he definitely didn't look look good on, on the field. Um, and uh, I I still give my my win for for uh, you know my prediction as as the the the, the team that will win the the Serie A this season. I still give it to Napoli. I think they were just unlucky in this game. Um, but but yeah, what do you think about the game? Yeah, so I actually want to step back a second to last week and. Delete has actually said in social, on social media somewhat saying that he thought he was going to start the first game of the season for Juventus. And what happened was he didn't start, of course. Giorgio Chiellini started. And then this week, Giorgio Chiellini is out injured. So you get your brick. You get to start against Napoli. Who could ask for anything better, right? And he had a very horrible game. But one thing I want to be, I'm not so sure of is, what, did he have a horrible, horrible game or was he injured? Because it looked to me like he really couldn't even run without, like, you could just tell that something was wrong, was what I felt like. If he wasn't, like you said, he was off the pace. And I, I felt like maybe maybe he had some injury issues that he thought he could, like, play through. That's what I thought because his performance was so bad that that's all I could think of. So... That's yeah, welcome weird. to the Syria, you know. That that is weird. I mean, are you saying that maybe the coaches knew about the injury but they still played him or 
or he's Maybe. he was hiding the injury because he shouldn't do that. He shouldn't do that against a top team like Napoli. I mean, you have people like Demiral and Rugani in the bench that will that would have done better. I think, in my opinion, at least, um, that they would have done better. Um, but why would you put your team in a very dangerous position if you're injured? Yeah. So so there's the thing. He's I wouldn't say injured in the sense of cannot play, but some discomfort. No, I- I know, then, I know, but but well, maybe this is just me, but I understand it's a big game. He wants to prove himself. I mean, if I had, if I was not 100%, I definitely don't want to be out there because I'm putting my team first. Uh, and obviously, it's going to be a very to- talked about game. If I, you know, if I'm off my pace, if I'm not very, you know, if I'm not running as as fast as I should, and then basically I've, I, you know, conceded two goals big and. Two goals were the two goals were my fault. Then suddenly the, the media is talking about me, and that's a negative for me. So, I mean, I think that's a a very nice excuse for him. But uh, judgment-wise, that was if that was the case, that was bad from him. Um, and also, if that was if that wasn't the case, in general, it was a bad game for him. And to me, there's no excuse. If you're injured, don't play. Or if you're not 100%, don't play. Let others play. And I think. On both ends, that was a very bad judgment from him. And I agree with you 100%. I'm just trying to make sense of his performance. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I agree. I, I'm i surprised. I'm surprised myself just because I saw him at Ajax leading the line, leading the back. Um, and I expected more from him, but definitely looked like something was off. But yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe... maybe uh, um, the coach wouldn't wouldn't sit him out for the next game, and maybe he he can prove us wrong and, and show that he you know what he's worth. Um, yeah, but- I I am actually gonna talk a little bit about the Napoli defense, the wall of Naples. So far, they've led in seven goals in the first two games of the season. I am not gonna come out here and judge them and say they're leaky, but this doesn't bode a, a good sign for. For what we expect of them this season, it doesn't look good. And they've been—I mean, they've always leaked goals. Um, and, and when when Kulibali is himself, like when he's usually like 100%, like Kulibali, um, he's always the one, you know, leading the back line, protecting the defense. But he's been off this season so far. Um, don't know what's going on. But uh, my guess is, I'm sure Ancelotti is realizing this, and he's probably going to start making changes in terms of like maybe focusing more on the defense and making sure, or maybe moving Alan. You know, I think Alan kind of moves towards the right some somewhat in that def- defensive midfield, but maybe moving Alan around or, or playing playing a better defensive midfielder will you know will help them out. But it's it de- definitely looks. It doesn't look good for them uh, that they've conceded seven goals. Even Milan has not conceded seven goals. So you can tell um, that, well, at least we've not played the high-caliber teams that they've played. But still, it still looks bad for them, no matter what. All right. Not much to say about Ligon, except PSG is taking the fold back. Um, They are now top of the league, no surprise. Um, Cavani and Mbappe are still out. Um, I I do want to mention, though, that uh, with the transfer window shutting today, uh, looks like Neymar, at least so far from what we've heard, Neymar is going to be in PSG. I, it sounds like the deal fell through with Dembele saying no to a swap to PSG. Um, but 
I kind of just want to ask you this question um, with the, you know, with Neymar saying things like, you know, the best moment was against PSG or, or you know, basically saying things against PSG to kind of try to force a move. Um, do you think there's a sense of awkwardness now for Neymar and PSG? A sense of awkwardness? I would say yes, a little bit in the sense that, you know, I mean, he didn't want to play, he wanted to leave, so there's going to be a time of adjustment. Yeah, but he's Neymar, you know, I mean, he's world class. And I, I try not to use that word very loosely, but Neymar is world class and PSG will be happy to have him back in the fold. So, yeah, just a few more, like, getting to know the players and where their heads are and he'll be ready to roll. I wonder how the fans are going to receive him because remember the first uh, weekend they basically had like signs and not nice words for him in the stands. So we'll we'll see how this plays out. They probably will need him for the Champions League at least to topple Real Madrid. But obviously with the way Real Madrid is playing right now, we, you know they they don't seem like a very huge threat. Uh, but no, uh, yeah, it was a very good league on uh, a weekend. Um, Rennes that I thought was going to keep being first lost to Nice this past weekend. So sadly, they're now second. But we'll see how this plays out for them. Um, and of, obviously, there's a break this weekend. So we have the international break. Uh, to be honest, I've not followed the international scenes. I think now is the time that we're going to actually start seeing the matchups and, and just, you know, the excitement um, but, you know, there's going to be a lot of um, qualifiers going around Europe, Africa, um, in South America. Yeah, so one thing that I want to say about the international break, it's exciting. You know, you get a quick break from the hustle and bustle of the club campaign. And for some players who have had like a, a good start to their campaigns in the in the club, they get call-ups to the national teams. And this is exciting, especially for players who've not been caught up before. I sadly, Emeric Laporte was caught up for France, but you know he got injured again, so he didn't. He's not gonna actually be able to play for France. And also, I think Ashley Barnes of Burnley is one who people have been wondering why England hasn't called him up when they serially, repeatedly call up people like Jesse Lingard. So it's just <laughs> nice to hear that there there are players who are making their first getting called up for the first time for their countries. And that's what I'm excited for in the international break. Yes. So I'm glad to see, yeah, I'm glad to see Nigeria play again. Uh, I think we're playing Ukraine in the friendly. So, and they're actually, a ver they're very new call-ups in that game. I can't remember the name of the players, but uh, I'm looking forward to, to see how these new talents play um, and, and, you know, fit into their, you know, uh, country uh, team. I think that's all we have for today. Uh, thanks, our listeners, for listening to the fourth official soccer podcast. We appreciate your feedback. Suleiman, can you tell them where to find us? Sure. We are always on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Music. And you can reach us out to us on Twitter at fourth official SP, and we'll be glad to engage you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you later. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you.